Well, selling the car is just like fishing, Wilbur. You bait the hook, you throw it out, and then you reel them in real slow. You ask them questions about their family, what they do. You act like you're interested. And once you get their trust, kabowie! <laughs> <laughs> you just sold a car! <laughs> if you're not familiar with Grady the Badger, let me introduce you. Grady appeared in commercials for Johnson Automotive, a chain of dealerships in North Carolina, Maryland, and Florida. Grady was, uh, well, everything people hate about salespeople and then some. Pushy, obnoxious, misogynistic, condescending, you name it, Grady embodied it. In this commercial, he suggests feigning interest in potential customers to make the sale. While this tactic seems slimy when it's merely acting, Mitch Case says that becoming genuinely interested in his customers is what allowed him to become a highly successful salesperson. Revenue, referrals, and retention are his three R's for driving the customer relationship experience. He's also the founder of More Than a Meal, a service that helps organizations create memorable experiences that increase employee retention, boost employee morale, and strengthen company culture. This week, he joins me on Next in Queue to discuss the inspiration for More Than a Meal, how More Than a Meal impacts employee experience, strategies for strengthening customer relationships, how focusing only on the potential revenue of a deal backfires in sales, the power of being intentional, how to engender trust in others, and one big tip for salespeople to increase referrals. Let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Thanks, everyone, for joining another episode of Next in Q. I'm Rob Dwyer. Today, joining me from nearby Kansas City. Mitch Case. Mitch, how are you? I'm doing well, Rob. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to talk about some CX lessons from the sales world today. But before we get there, you have a really intriguing uh, project that, that you're working on, a new business. And I want to tell everybody about that. So I'm going to let you do the honors and, and tell us about what you're doing today. Fair enough. I'll, I'll throw a caveat in here that I don't know if I'm full blown um, new business, but maybe a, a side hobby that I can maybe help a few people out uh, mentality, but um, probably helps kind of start with a little bit of my background just to kind of clear up who I am and, and how I came up with this. So um, traditional schooling, um, I know you're rocking that KU shirt. I got my Mizzou lamp in the background. Um, oh, wow. Fair, Fair is fair. 
but I uh, studied mechanical engineering and uh, that's what kind of brought me to the Kansas City area. And my first job in Kansas City was at a manufacturing plant and it was kind of this hybrid role of engineering and sales. So basically I was taking old legacy products that were starting to wear and tear. We needed to manufacture a component that would go back into it, but we didn't regularly manufacture that part. So my job as an engineer was to figure out, will this piece that's brand new work with this old legacy product? And then I had to go and sell that to what we call our, our reps uh, that are out and about. So figuring out if it's going to work, pricing it up, giving it to them, and they go out and sell. What I found is that I gravitated more towards the sales side than necessarily the engineering side, because I, I have the unique ability to have a conversation as an engineer. And that really promoted me into this space where I could sell the whole component. And I went to work for an organization that did that. And um, I ended up being there for close to 10 years. Uh, we provided commercial HVAC equipment on, on large, large products. And what I started to recognize over time with some of the leadership and mentors that I had in that space that um, so often we as salespeople think it's the, the product itself that we sell or the service that we sell sets us apart from our competition. When all reality, and especially with the equipment that I sold that had specific legal requirements to say, this piece of equipment will do this. And if it doesn't, you could be sued for it. So there was no way other than changing the shape and the color of what it was at the root of it, it had to perform as our competitors' equipment had to perform. So it became evident to me through my mentorship that myself, the company, is what truly is going to separate us. And what I really wanted to figure out was how can I go about and create something that's truly more than just the product that we go out and, and sell. And I, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. When I look back and talk about it, like, okay, there is clearly a, a set number of things that I did. But at the time, I'm like, I'm just trying to be a good person. And, and I think at the root of most successful people, and I'll, I'll also say that success can be a def different definition for everybody. But for those that wanted to be successful in sales, what I found was just truly being a good human being. And how do we go about doing that was really what I started to map out. So it became a situation where, you know, it's, I think it's called the, is it the Pareto principle where it's 80, the 80, 20 rule. Oh, that is so the I very Pareto quickly principle. realized where the majority of the revenue was coming. And I wanted to dive deep on those individuals and focus specifically on them, knowing that if I could take care of them as human beings, then the revenue would follow. And, and ultimately, that's what brought me the success of having multiple six-figure income um, and had a very successful career in that. Now, I've since changed that uh, for personal reasons, but what I did was recognize that there were three um, things that I, I wanted to do. I wanted to increase my revenue. I wanted to increase my referrals and I wanted to increase and maintain my retention. So I created, after I had left this career, called the customer relationship experience. So CX, I kind of like to throw a three R, an R in there for revenue referrals and retention. So now we have this CRX um, experience. And you know, I, I laugh about it because when I left the industry and it's been three years almost to the date, I had a couple competitors that now are actually clients of my business more than a meal. They're like, you know, can you tell me like, what did you do? Like, I was always intimidated to talk to you. I'm like, all right, one, I don't know how I came across intimidating. Like, 
I'm six foot tall, but I'm like 160 pounds soaking wet type mentality. <laughs> like I'm, I'm tall and skinny, but it just shocked me. And when they started asking me questions, like, what is it that you did? How'd you go about it? And all this kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, maybe there is something that I can help maybe a young salesperson that comes into a new industry that is like, I got to hit quota. I got to hit revenue. It's just money, 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 money driven. How can we pull the brakes back and say, hey, the money will come. Let's focus on the experience. And the experience is going to be based around how you as an individual treat your clients. So this quote unquote business that you mentioned is, like I said, more of kind of a, a hobby or an interest uh, on the side that just really helps individuals in that space that want to go to the next level and put a plan in place um, to really create a unique, specific, personalized, individualized customer experience. Fascinating. How's that for an answer? I I <laughs> love it. So let's let's dig in a little bit more specifically to more than a meal and yeah. like, what is that yeah so more than a meal is is kind of a a side hobby that turned into a full-time gig so um, when my wife and I had our first kiddo uh, about seven years ago we experienced a, a challenging birth experience where we found ourselves three weeks early in the emergency room um, ultimately led to an urgent c-section so you know, for those of us that have had kids, it's already hard enough just uh, trying to do this sleep deprived, um, questioning every step of the way if you're hurting or helping your child. Uh, but on top of that, um, you know, my my wife had major abdominal surgery. She was still sick from the the preeclampsia. It was just a high blood pressure issue that uh, lingered for six months. I'm back at work, and at the time, you know, I'm hustling, doing 60, 70 plus hours a week. It was a, it was a hard time for us, uh, five, it was about five months down the road. And, uh, we had some friends that really simply brought us a really easy meal kit that they put together with some ingredients they found on Pinterest. And we thought to ourselves, Hey, what a wonderful way that we can support our community with other individuals that have gone through a challenging birth experience like we have, and just allow their friends to care for them down the road. So we started this idea of just putting together really simple meal kits, dropping it off at their doorstep and letting them know that, you know, Hey, your friends are thinking about you type of thing, which that evolved into what is more than a meal today, where we almost exclusively work with organizations to help them um, strengthen their relationship with their employees and clients by showing gratitude or appreciation. Uh, and we claim to do that one meal at a time. I think there's a sense around, you know, when we get together with people, oftentimes we are sharing a meal or um, sharing a drink or something along those lines where there is just something about being in community around a table together that truly uh, is the foundation of a relationship for that family, for friends, anything along those lines. And we found that organizations were looking for a way to get creative, to help with retention, um, to help attract new talent so that their employees knew that they didn't just care about the work that they did in the office. They cared about their friends, their family outside of the office where the majority of us want to spend our time. And so we started this business a couple of years ago and we're off and running, man. Yeah. I look food meal kits. That, that's not a unique business, but I think the nope. approach of like where you're focused is unique. And I think there is something that, that you touched on there that, that we don't think about maybe enough. And that is the, 
the way food and meals and, and meal prep for that matter have this communal value that I think most of us don't appreciate enough, right? Mm -hmm. It is, it is a way that we connect and it could be based off of kind of what our, our favorite foods are or regional foods. You know, you and I are, are both Midwest guys. I imagine you have an affinity for barbecue the (laughs) same way that I do. Absolutely. And and, you know, somebody from the Carolinas comes talking about how great Carolina barbecue is, right? Those are, those are fighting words. to, to those, Absolutely. Because vinegar does not belong <laughs> in barbecue sauce. Right. <laughs> so the, right. All, the, the food is part of the culture as part of the culture of, you know, an area, a region, and as part of the culture of our families. And there mm-hmm. is often a lot that goes into kind of the food that, that made us that, that we grew up with and that we enjoy and, and the way that it can spark memories and all of those things. And so I love the idea of using food as a, as a way to appreciate people and as a way to uh, potentially just make their lives easier at times when things may be difficult. Yeah. I mean, just as a, as a society, like we immediately think when somebody is going through a challenging time in life and let's talk specifically, you know, newborn babies and the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. Most people are reaching out to say, I want to drop something off. How can I help you? Like we just, as a society want to do that. Uh, You know, you, you talked about like the meal kit, not being this novel idea. And I, I love that you say that because I, I so often have advice for our business from individuals saying, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And it tends to go back towards, you know, your typical meal kit business where I don't have the financial backing to go and compete with a blue apron or a hello fresh. I'm going to leave them alone. <laughs> They're good at what <laughs> they do. I have to come up with a unique creative way about doing this. And, you know, for us, the success has come around we as organizations that care for our team members and clients, we're already trying to do things to separate ourselves. They're involved in this customer relationship experience where food is a a category that we covered in that. Like it's already being done. So how can we take what's traditionally been gift cards and flowers for these situations when a company is gifting to an individual and go right back to what you said is like, it's, it's foundational. It's, it's what we know from a regional perspective or a family perspective. Like we all grew up and I, I shouldn't generalize all of us. A lot of us grew up remembering like family time around the dinner table. Like that was a staple. Like, I don't care if I was screaming and crying and mad, it was like, <laughs> you're going to sit at the table. You're going to sit down. I don't care if you eat anything or not, but you're going to be here and you're going to be with us. And, you know, I'm trying to do that with my three kids that are six and under, and it's usually us just screaming and yelling, like, get back to the table, get back to the table. <laughs> but there is that like foundation of when you're in community, it is actually proven to reduce stress and anxiety. So how can we go about helping those organizations with their employees or their clients where the next day they go into work, maybe they had a bad day, but you know, my team fed me maybe I have a little bit better pep in my step. Maybe I'm more encouraging. Like what kind of ripple effect can that have 
throughout the company. And ultimately that's what we want to accomplish through, through what we're doing. And we just happen to do it through a really simple meal kit. Yeah. The other thing that strikes me that I think is, you know, probably uh, a marker of our times, but a lot of that, when it comes to companies, right, feeding employees, that that's a very common thing right up until about 2020 or so. I don't know. Something happened uh, right around then. And so you've got a lot of people who, while the work from home experience can be wonderful, have tons of advantages, that piece, that food piece may be missing. And this is an interesting way to not entirely replicate it, but certainly do something along the lines that you may have been doing in a brick and mortar environment before that you found you can't accomplish the same way in a work from home environment. Yeah. Like I, I try to sit back and think like from a foundational perspective, like, all right, why were, why are we feeding our employee? Why are we bringing food into our employees? Like what's the intent behind it? And I, I like to think that, you know, a majority of the organizations are doing it because they, they appreciate the work that their team members are doing. Sometimes through discovering, they have found that if they bring food to the office, the employee is less likely to leave the office, which creates a shorter lunch time, which means they can get back to work faster and doing more. And that's where I... um I struggle with that because one, it's a, it's a great gesture and nobody is going to sit there and say, Oh, they fed me. And now I got to stay here. Like, no, I, I appreciate that. But are we doing it to show gratitude and appreciation? Or are we doing it to get more out of them? Because we know the statistics on it. And it, it's hard for me to say, like, do we get more out of them? Like if you use more than a meal, you send it home, they have a better experience with their family. They're more, happy and joyful or whatever that may be. And are they more effective? Are they more efficient in their work? Hopefully. But I hope that the true motive behind it is to show genuine appreciation. And where I try to like, you're, you're absolutely right. Organizations constantly are feeding their employees at the office. When organizations send a team member out to a conference, they're feeding them and taking care of them out there. Where we're trying to help these organizations differentiate themselves. So let's think about that from a, a sales perspective. This organization has to sell themselves constantly to their team members because whether they like to admit it or not, there are people knocking on every one of their doors saying, hey, we've got this over here. We've got this. We have better pay. We have all these different things. So they're constantly having to sell to them. One of my goals always when I was in sales was if I can get the spouse of my client talking about me, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> and like, how do I do that? Is I, I show care and appreciation for what they care and appreciate the most. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to take care of a customer of mine, I want to know what their, their kiddo's favorite dessert is or their spouse's favorite genre of music. And I'm going to log that and I'm going to reach back out to them when I know that Taylor Swift is coming to town and there's a discount on the Eras Tour tickets. Maybe I can't buy those tickets for them, but I can shoot a message over to that individual saying, yo, I just saw 50% discounts on 
T Swift. You better run over there and grab them quick because I, I I knew I know that your wife loves this. Or listen, I'm not saying gender roles because I'm a Swifty at heart as well. So whether it's me or it's the other person, um, there's just unique ways that you can really go and about like go about personalizing those things where you care for more than just the client themselves or the employee themselves that can really really hit home on truly caring for that individual. I mean, Mitch, if you're getting Taylor Swift tickets for any of your clients, they're a client for life at this point. I think that's the hardest ticket in town to get. Even I, I, I think we'd bankrupt the company if we did that. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, Price so, of meals just went up. <laughs> right. You just talked about a couple of really specific things. And it's it's getting to know some some personal preferences of of your your partners, your clients, your customers. Let's talk now about some of those very specific lessons that you were learning that you put into use that apparently uh, struck the fear of God in all of your competition and and made you seem like this unapproachable, amazing person. Like what? What are the first steps that you take to establish that, that relationship? Yeah. And so with the, that customer relationship experience thing that I kind of mapped out, there's, there's about 12 steps and like in each side of those steps, there's more steps that go into each of those. But when I tried to like break them down, um, you know, budget aside, obviously you need to make sure that you have the ability to care for them because caring for somebody is going to include some some amount of cost um, from that, whether it's your time, whether it's finances, whatever that may be, you got to set that apart. The biggest and best thing that I could recommend for anybody is to set up enough meetings to where you have a idea of the information that you want to gather. So in this experience, I've got a monthly call set up that has no agenda. I'm going to call out of the blue it's not scheduled. I'm just going to call and I'm going to talk with them and ask them how they're, whatever I've learned from that experience, whether it's a kid's involved in soccer or they went to the T-Swift concert, like I'm calling about anything that they care about. Now, there are certain things that you probably want to keep in mind as you do call them, if you can add value from that perspective, but having regular meetings, both phone calls and the occasional coffee face-to-face -face approach to purely get information. This is not a come to our office and I can show you something. This is go find a coffee shop somewhere. We're not talking business. Maybe it comes up, but we're not, that's not the goal. And I just genuinely want to get to know you as an individual, just as if it was your best friend. Like you're going to call your best friend. You're going to occasionally get together. Like we've all graduated college. Most of my you know groomsmen that I met in college are all across the nation. I see them once, maybe twice a year, but I get to call them. I get to talk with them and we just shoot the stuff. Like we just hang out. So those are one of the biggest things that I've always implemented when I'm doing that, but having very specific goals of that conversation or meeting to continue to gather information because the no, the more I know about that individual, the more genuine, authentic, um, and practical I can be when it comes to the actual engagement side of what I wanted to accomplish in my sales career. Yeah. That's, I mean, what you're describing, Mitch, 
is being friendly and taking the time to learn about them. And that seems pretty basic, but I think we both know that that is effort number one and, and can be difficult. I, I think it's difficult in this, and this is just my own perspective. I I've mentioned to you before, like I had a bad relationship with money. When I went into conversations early in my career, all I could see was the dollar signs if that deal landed. And that led me to a lot of features and benefits conversations, which don't get you anywhere. That led to a lot of, they're just going to listen and forget everything that I say conversations. And it's even going to lead to, hey, let's go grab lunch. And they invite a ton of people with them. And you're stuck with this nice, large lunch bill where nothing was accomplished. So although like, and one of my mentors always said, and my, my boss at my previous company that I was at is like, sales is easy. It's just really hard. And yeah. I, I hate that and uh, like resonate with that statement so much because what it is, is just being, like you said, a, a good friend, a genuine individual, but being intentional about it, um, being creative about it making time for it is hard because you feel like you're always trying to keep going. I've got other things I got to do. I can't do this. I can't do that. But if you take the time to, to make it and schedule it, you'll be surprised at what happens. Yeah. That you actually just kind of led into my next question, which was, you know, you mentioned that, that these calls that you would make would be unscheduled. And I imagine unscheduled for them but you were scheduling time for that, I assume. How did you go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. They're scheduled for me. They're on my calendar, but they don't get the calendar invite. So, I mean, it's it's just purely if I don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. And that goes to both professional calendar and our personal calendar. Like my wife and I have to put our dates on our calendar. Otherwise we'll end up going two, three months without taking a date. So if you're not intentional about it and you don't plan for it, it's just never going to happen. Although you think about it and you're like, man, I, sh I should probably do that. I should probably do that. Other things will take priority. So making sure that you schedule that time for those individuals to call. And again, you know, sometimes you don't get a hold of them. Other times you do. I try to keep it less than 10, 15 minutes tops because you don't want to necessarily interrupt their day. But in the back of my mind, my goal was always anytime that I'm calling this individual or having coffee with this individual, I want to bring so much value to them that they'll hold the call that they're on right now to answer the call that I'm calling in on. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm this big, important person. It's because every time we've gotten to hang out together, they found extreme value in that. And whether that's you know discounts to a, a ticket or something, or if it's you know, I can actually help from whatever they're trying to accomplish. Like my goal in sales was to figure out how I can actually help that individual. And it oftentimes it wasn't my product or service that I had to offer. It was something else that mm -hmm. I got no monetary gain from. I just got to be selfish and say, I know somebody that's better at this than I am. I'm going to shoot over an email. Yeah. Did you ever run into customers or potential customers that were maybe resisted kind of giving up some of that personal information and wanted to keep things more B 
business and only business? And how do you approach that? So I, I failed hard with this. And when I like started going through this, I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know what? I'm just going to put a new, I'm going to put a form together. I'm going to have all these questions in there, send it out to them. And I can say, thank you so much. You know, if you fill this out, I can be a better, you know, service you and all this kind of stuff. And there are like 20 questions on this. Nobody filled out that form. <laughs> so I had to go back to the drawing board because I thought I was genius in being able to collect this information. But it's exactly like, I'm not taking the time to do all of that stuff. Like I don't, you don't need the answers to the test. So my suggestion to anybody that's trying to focus on that is having two to three types of information that you know you want to gather from that individual and get creative and bringing it in conversation when it's actually a real conversation. Um, I'm not talking about like you're sitting there and you know your conversation is going on. And say, oh, by the way, when's your son's birthday? Like you can't just drop that in there, <laughs> but you can get creative when you say, you know, I mean, you mentioned your, your son was like playing soccer as he had any games and you go into a natural conversation on those lines. Like, Oh, what age group is he playing in? Like, he sounds like a beast out there. Oh, he's seven playing on varsity. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that's when you can start having an idea of, you know, you're building genuine relationship at that time. You're interested in that. And that's where you can kind of not in a manip manipulative way, but have the natural conversation of like seven, like when was he born? Like what was his birthday? And if you can bring those in in a natural way, people aren't going to sit there and think that it's a weird question when it's a part of that. So, you know, I have this laundry list of, you know, the 20 questions that I wanted to know about these individuals. And I knew that I wasn't going to get all 20 answers in the first three days that I knew this person, it was going to take time. And that's why a monthly 10 minute phone call a quarterly coffee face-to-face -face meeting and any other time that I knew I might interact with that individual, I always had my CRM or whatnot on the questions that I knew I didn't have the answers to yet. And if I could figure out a way through that conversation, it, it was normal and natural. I always had one or two things that I wanted to learn about that individual. And uh, most of the time, you'd be able to get some of that information. Yeah, there's definitely an element of curiosity that goes along with that. And, and some of that is natural curiosity. Some of it is maybe strategic curiosity. But as long as you're coming at it, wanting to help them be successful, and the, the whole point of this relationship is to help them be successful, then it doesn't matter if it's maybe strategic in the background, as long as it's genuine. 100%. And I also want to add that sometimes you don't have to ask questions to gather information. Like right now, I have learned a lot about you just with what I'm physically seeing in our conversation. You can, yeah. can probably see some of the things that matter to me in my background as well. Some of my questions are, what's your alma mater? Who do you care about? What's your favorite music genre? What's your favorite movie? I've got some pretty good guesses on maybe what your favorite movie might be Me and might. a pretty good idea on whether you went to that school or not, you are a, a big fan. So immediately what I'm logging on this through other information that I've gathered is that when I see something KU related that might bring value to you, when I see something Star Wars related that might bring value to you, 
I've logged that, I've set alerts for it, and now I can genuinely reach out to you and you had no idea that I had gathered that information. So both asking questions and silent information, just being aware and alert, uh, you can you can gather a lot of information about people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am definitely not a Purdue fan. Sorry, Milan. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, Star Wars is actually not my favorite movie. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption is my favorite movie, but they don't make. <laughs> you it need a little Lego shit back there, then that. in the back. <laughs> <laughs> There's just not a good Lego set for that. So, I, uh, I, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, aside from this process of really, I would say, befriending, caring, and learning about the people that that you're selling to that you're working with that you're solving problems for what are some of the other things that you learned along the way that maybe uh seemed natural to you but wasn't natural for for instance some of your competitors that's so i i immediately go to trust um, I had an interesting conversation around this and I went through an exercise um, to just kind of figure out like, what is it that I want to do in life and just be like happy and joyful around that. And the mentor I was working with, he had me write down two lists. One was the things that I enjoy, whether paid or unpaid. And the other one was a list of things that I'm good at. It was embarrassingly hard to fill out the list of things that I'm good at. And sometimes you can relate that back to, oh, you're just being humble or anything. Like it was genuinely hard because sometimes I'm hard on myself or that um, imposter syndrome comes in. I'm not good at that. Until somebody actually told me and he sat me down, he said, one of the most unique things about you that drew me in was that you have this unique ability to create trust faster than I have seen with anybody else. And I hated to say like, it was great to hear that, but I'm like, I have no idea what I do to give that feeling other than the fact that I choose every single day to trust somebody first until they break that trust. And I like, for me, that comes natural for others. It's a work, like they're working hard to do that. So that's probably the thing for me is like, I, I want people to know that when I'm reaching out to them for that phone call or grabbing coffee or any of those things, like it's, it's coming from a very genuine place. And fortunately I have that natural ability that builds that trust very quickly. I don't know how to solve that problem for anybody else other than my suggestion is to trust first and let it fail. If it does, then you learn. Otherwise it just kind of seems exhausting to go about life, like not trusting anybody. Yeah. yeah. And very few times has it ever burned me. Yeah, there is definitely a lot to be said of entering any relationship, starting with trust, because if you start there, you kind of engender it from the very beginning. And for the most part, you've got a really good chance of maintaining that. It's whoever breaks that trust on the, the first time, that's that's when things will really go south. And yeah, and don't, I, I don't want to take away from individuals that have had life experiences. Like I have not had an experience in my life to where it would put me in a position where I, I have my guard up. So I have been blessed in that scenario. So I don't want to say like, 
you just need to trust first because I, I recognize that people they they can't because of their life experience and mm -hmm. I respect that um that's just something that has come natural to me and has helped me significantly yeah yeah there's a lot to be said for where we're all coming from uh and we're all coming from a different space mm -hmm. and and what we can do from an emotional standpoint may be very different than what someone else can do. 100%. 100% agree with that. So aside from your ability to generate trust, I mean, if you just had a tip out there that we haven't talked about for somebody that maybe is just getting into sales or they find that they're, they're struggling, what would that what would that tip be? What's something that they could do that they're probably not doing today that you think they might see some concrete results from? That's a fantastic question because I immediately go to like, get out of your own industry. And what I mean by that is you have this target person as your prospect and your client, like your persona that you're going after, this is who it is. If you open your mind to meeting other people outside of that, those people are going to know people that you could potentially do business with. So what I found to be the most success for me in that was to get out of when I was selling commercial HVAC equipment, I was just trying to get in front of building owners and facilities directors. Right. If you don't do that, you're dead to me. But as soon as I opened up my mind and experience, like I can go talk to somebody else that has nothing to do with that and build genuine relationships with them. That's when I started to see different referrals coming through and the oddity that, you know, Kansas city, although it's a big place is a very small place and it's, you know, the, what is it? Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or something along yeah. those lines. Like, it's very real in the sense that I could be talking to somebody that lives next door to the facilities director and have no idea. And it just continued to show up. If I truly wanted to help and serve the person that was in front of me, whether that was through introductions, learning what's most important to them, if I can help them get engaged with somebody else, um, that was always my mentality was I want to know who you are and what you do, what makes you you. And then what is one thing that I can walk away from this meeting this conversation that can truly help you. And if it's an email introduction, I'm going to do it. If it's business, fantastic. That was never my intent was I need to make the sale on this person that I'm meeting with. So my suggestion to anybody in that space as they're continuing to grow their, their portfolio or their sales career is get out of the specific industry that you're in, be open to meeting other individuals that are creative, um, that kind of have that same mentality and sit down with them, learn what it is that they do and how you can best help them. And eventually over time, continuing to do that, you'll be able to create a lot of value where people, um, just intuitively want to turn back and help you in whatever way possible. And that's when, if you've built that trust, if you've built that relationship, you can start asking for those types of introductions. If it makes sense, or they might just naturally just make the introduction with you without even asking. Yeah, that is amazing advice, Mitch. And I love it. If someone wants to do something special for someone on their team, someone in their 
personal life and send them a meal, how can they go about doing that? Well, the easiest way to go about that is just going to our website, which is just more than a mealco.com. Um, and you can just simply figure out how many meals you want to send somebody. And, you know, one of the ways that we still differentiate ourselves is you don't have to know what they want to eat when they want to receive it or where they even live. Um, we'll work with you and that recipient to make sure that your job description is not meal coordinator. It is, I truly care for this individual. I want to help them. So we help from that perspective. So you can just go to our website. If it's the bigger capacity, if it's, Hey, we want to bless our team during the holidays. Uh, we want to set up more reoccurring type stuff, or we also want to just allow our team members to know that we care and send something out for recognition or appreciation rewards, any reason. Um, that's probably a bigger conversation than just going to our website. So they could just um, shoot me an email over at uh, Mitch C at more than a meal or you can find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm fairly active there. Yeah. We'll make sure that uh, the website and your LinkedIn profile are in the show notes. Everybody knows how that works. So just scroll down and you can get those links. Mitch, thank you so much for joining Next in Q. Uh, even though you went to Mizzou, I really appreciate you being here. <laughs> What I always find out is it's it's the people that didn't actually go to the university sometimes get can be the the hardest. But I guess we've been removed from the Big Twelve long enough that um, maybe some tempers have have flared there. But um, I was also going to let you know, Rob. Um, so I do have this customer relationship experience document um, that I can get you the link for that, so individuals can come and pull that up and kind of see the twelve steps that I took and give some general information on that as well so they can have access to it yeah that'll be awesome we'll make sure and include that as well yeah. so thank you so much mitch appreciate the time and uh using your platform to help us um help other people i truly enjoyed it next in queue is brought to you by happy to and is produced by me rob dwyer if you enjoy this podcast Please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.